This is Adopted with Anna and Sam. We love books and we love movies. Warning, here be spoilers. Welcome to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna. And I'm Sam. In this podcast, we talk about a book, we talk about a movie or TV show based on this book, we play some fun games, and we encourage you to read and watch along with us. In this episode, we will be talking about The Hunt for Red October by Tom Clancy. So uh, my quick take for this one is that I really did want to complain about the movie slash book being an under-the-sea sausage fest. But honestly, I'm going to let it slide this time. Right? It's it's kind of hard to complain about it. I just I can't be mad. It's so good. <laughs> um, I'm just going to pretend that they're all there for my amusement. And th- th- that, and they, that is entirely why they are there. Yes. The only reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my quick take is um, I still enjoy watching this movie despite having seen it more times than I could possibly count. I have no idea how many times I've seen this movie. Was it was it Spike TV that it was on like forever or TBS or both? It was one of those. I think it I think Multiple it cable cycled channels. through TBS, TNT, Spike TV, AMC. It was all one of those. You couldn't turn the TV on yeah. without no right for yeah. October. Being right on. now it's on BBC America, so <laughs> <laughs> still making the rounds. Um, but the thing is, I also really, really enjoyed reading the book the first time I read it, which is also one of the reasons why I desperately wanted us to do this as an episode, because I was like, it's such a good book. And I didn't expect to like the book because I'm not really into that genre. You know, I don't read a lot of Robert Ludlum or Tom Clancy. And in fact, I've never read another Tom Clancy novel. But for whatever reason, like I loved the book just as much as I loved mm-hmm. the movie, even though and we'll get into it. There are very different pieces of work. So, Sam, you just you couldn't resist all the semen no, i could not resist all the semen yeah i thought it was better to get that joke out of the way now early on well otherwise i'd be holding it in for the entire episode i and do want to get your semen out early i do talk a lot about seaman beaumont so <laughs> you could probably come up with more um, oh this is gonna be an interesting episode yeah um is. this episode will be rated pg-13 this episode brought to you by semen <laughs> you know you want one <laughs> oh, oh, we're oh, okay. <laughs> and it starts already. It started. <laughs> How about I go right into my six degrees then? Let's Get do us six off that. degrees. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so my six degrees starts with Anna Gosteyer because she was such a jewel in Mean Girls. She is always a jewel. She really is. Um, but she was in one of my all-time favorites, Reefer Madness. <gasps> oh yes. Mm-hmm. With Alan Cumming. Ellen Cumming was in in Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams with Bill Paxton. Also one of your favorites. <laughs> Actually, I've never seen it, so sh- <laughs> I've seen the first one, but not any of the other ones. Alan Cumming is very disappointed in you. I know he is. Well, he yells at me every time he's on Masterpiece Mystery, so it's fine. <laughs> and we are also joined by Rupert yet Our again. Co-host. I'm so sorry. Uh, he's very mournful he's tonight. Singing the song of his people. He is. Anyway, so Bill Paxton was in that movie with Alan Cumming, and then Bill Paxton was in Frailty with Powers Booth. Powers Booth was in Tombstone with Billy Zane. Billy Zane was in Dead Calm with Sam Neill, and Sam Neill was in The Hunt for Red October. As well as our first episode choice, uh, yes, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. He's also an unofficial mascot. As well as Jeff Goldblum. I do love Samuel. Yes. Oh my gosh. But I hate Rupert. Rupert, be quiet. It's okay. Yeah. Um, Anna, what's so, yours? So I actually did two six degrees. Um, because Well, so first of all, the obvious thing is that there is one degree. Yes. Tina oh, so Fey in Mean degrees. Girls was in 30 Rock with Alec Baldwin, yes. who of course plays Jack Ryan. So it'd be really easy. Yep. And I, I, I did like a normal six degrees, and then I decided that was just lame, and I needed to set, set myself a challenge. So you always do this. I always do. I actually was really excited because I managed to get um, to work my way through Earth Girls Are Easy. Nice. Which I feel if you can connect with Earth Girls Are Easy, then you're always in for a good time. It's true. I actually did enjoy that movie. Uh, the highlight of Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis's careers slash marriage. <laughs> um, Not but, the fly. No, no. No. There's nothing sexy about that movie. No. Um, but instead, I decided to do a girls only six degrees since the movie itself is so dude heavy. So, mm-hmm. uh, from Mean Girls, we have Amanda, Amanda Seafried, who was in Les Miserables with Anne Hathaway. Very nice. Anne Hathaway was in Ocean's Eight with Mindy Kaling. Mm. 
she starred in A Wrinkle in Time with Oprah Winfrey, who was in The Color Purple with Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, good old Whoopi, was in Star Trek Next Generation with Gates McFadden, who is literally the only named female character with lines in The Hunt for Red October. She plays Mrs. Ryan. And she has a fake British accent. Oh, yeah, she does. Yeah. It's great. I think she actually has, like, one line, and it's about missing the ballet. So, um, two, you know. two warm milks before bed, no more. Jack, you're going to be there, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, yeah, you've seen this movie before. Yes, I have. So that is my... That is my uh, girl power, six degrees. Very of nice. And not only did you do women, but you did mostly women of color, which I thought was very admirable. Did I, I think I had an even split. Yeah, I had Mindy Kaling, Oprah Winfrey, and Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So, hey, mm-hmm. I didn't even try to do that. No, you represented. I just, I just once I realized that Gates McFadden was my only way in. <laughs> yeah, no. I was choice. like, we're going through Whoopi, and and that's the only way this is gonna work. You know what makes it really hard to do Six Degrees of Separation with women? Mm-hmm. Is that so often you have films where there's only one yes. woman <laughs> who has a name. Yep. So there, I mean, Hunt for Red October is a great movie for Six Degrees of Separation. So many guys mm-hmm. are in that movie who are then in all these other movies. Jeffrey Jones, Courtney B. Vance, um, uh, obviously Alec Baldwin and Sean mm-hmm. Connery, yep. and Sam Neill, and I could Tim Curry, Tim I could Curry. go on and on. Yep. Stellan Skarsgård. You're just spoiling all my jokes. And sorry, my... I'm sorry, I'm Stop sorry. It. But like, <laughs> how many movies can you come up with where you can connect multiple women? And so there, it's true. There's so many movies where I'm trying to think. Well, what other women can I connect to? Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Very few because they don't put women in no, they don't. other women who are not also who are not like character actresses. So. Yep. Okay, that was my like personal little mini rant. Let's no, I talk, like it. Let's I like talk it. about. <laughs> let's go into let's the show. Let's talk about Hunt for Red October. Anna, do you want to give us your book report? I would love to. So, uh, the Hunt for Red October by Tom Clancy was published in 1984 by the Naval Institute Press. It's almost as old as we are. It is almost as old as we are, <laughs> which tells our listening audience a little bit about our ages. Uh, this is Clancy's debut novel, as well as the Naval Institute's first foray into nonfiction. Uh, fiction? Non- into fiction. <laughs> Sorry. I misspoke. It is the Naval Institute's first foray into fiction. And because I messed that up, now my punchline is going to fall flat. It's a real shame they passed on Pet Cemetery. Ah! That was the other one they were considering. But oh, then they nice. realized that there were no boats in it. Nah. Well. Maybe. But there were some dead cats, Rupert. Right? Pay attention. Yeah. He's staring at me. He does that. He's a cat. You should read Pet Cemetery. There's a lot of like creepy <laughs> okay. cat things. Did and saw the movie. <laughs> oh god, that movie is so bad. We're not we're not doing Pet Cemetery. Actually, maybe Midkiff. Yes. Maybe we, maybe we should do Pet Cemetery. We have Cemetery. to. We haven't actually and we know we did misery. No, we did say. misery. But we haven't <laughs> We haven't done one of um Stephen King's supernatural ones. No, we should definitely and do Pet that. Pet Cemetery is truly a terrible movie, so that and could be fun. It's a very scary book. <laughs> If you say so. Yes. His um, main accent, even in the book, it's very scary. <laughs> you just find New Englanders scary, Sam. <laughs> I've lived here my entire life, wouldn't you? You can't get that from him. <laughs> okay. I swear I'm going to do my book report. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> <laughs> the book begins with the maiden voyage of a brand new Russian submarine, the Red October. But there is more to this sub and her captain, Marco Ramius, than meet the eye. The Red October is equipped with a new technology, a silent propulsion system that renders her supposedly undetectable by sonar. And Ramius, the son of a communist hero, a seemingly loyal son of Russia, is plotting to hand her over to the Americans. On board the ship are officers loyal to America, are officers loyal to Ramius, and eager to say "screw you" to the Rodinia. I did mean to look up how to say "screw you" in Russian, but then I ran out of time. So just imagine mm-hmm. um, that That's the fair. camera has come in close on my lips while I'm talking, and, you're like, and then as it zooms mm-hmm. out, it yeah. translates into English automatically. Nice. I like yeah. it. Only two officers are not in the plot: Putin, the political officer who Ramius kills with his bare hands over a pot of tea. Good for him. I know. Uh, I mean, no, bad for him. That's immoral. And Petrov, the ship's doctor, who Ramius needs to trick in order to sell the fake story of nuclear contamination and sabotage that will eventually drive the enlisted men off the sub. Meanwhile, in jolly old England, an American CIA analyst named Jack Ryan, 
not to be confused with 16 tank a 16 candles hero jake ryan which um, was a problem jake. for me for a while <laughs> kept calling him jake ryan has just been handed some very interesting intel by his friends in british intelligence pictures of a brand new nuclear submarine the intel is urgent and sensitive so he heads to dc to tell his bosses at the cia in person some first-class analyzing from Ryan and his buddy Skip Tyler, and they figure out this new Russian sub has a silent propulsion system called a caterpillar drive, because it is based on how caterpillars swim. Uh, I assume. That's the only reason I could think of. So they don't cover that part in the book, but I assumed, <laughs> based like, on my knowledge of caterpillars. I feel like that's added. <laughs> no. I, didn't, I read the book. Shut up. Ryan impresses his bosses and the president so much that he's sent into the field, or rather the ocean, to share this intel with the American and British naval fleets. It is the height of the Cold War. Tensions between the two super, superpowers could break at any moment into bloodshed, and Ramius, with the world's only silent nuclear submarine, is suddenly stuck between them. He has to convince the Americans not to kill him before his countrymen can, and Ryan has to convince the American and British naval leaders to give Ramius a chance. Meanwhile, almost the entirety of Russian, American, and British forces have taken to air and sea. A Russian nuclear submarine pushes itself past the breaking point and suffers a cataclysmic nuclear breakdown, killing all but one man aboard. American planes, intent on showing up the Russians, provoke one hot-headed Russian pilot to fire his weapon, resulting in an American fighter being shot, although fortunately he lives. And these are actually some of my favorite scenes because of the inner monologues of both of the pilots, and you're just like, you guys, I know. come on. Just, this is what happens when you have too many unfettered dudes. Just They're just all testosterone oh, over so here. testosterone um, Another tragic accident for the Americans brings down a helicopter carrying four CIA agents on their way to meet with Ramius. Although at least this one can't be blamed on the Russians. Everyone is on... Or can it? Or, mm. Mm. I mean, if no, the Russians I... weren't doing this, they wouldn't even been out on the sea in the first place. That's a valid point. We can just blame everything on the Russians all I the mean, time. Yeah, we oh, should. We sound like Americans in the 80s. <laughs> Everyone is on edge, and even the slightest misstep could result in World War III. Through the twists of circumstances, Ryan is aboard the HMS Invincible when she manages to signal to Captain Ramius that the entire Russian fleet is after him and plans to blow him and his crew up before he can defect, and they offer him assistance. Then, joined by British Lieutenant Owen Williams, Ryan boards the USS Dallas, an American submarine that has figured out how to track the silent Caterpillar drive thanks to the genius of sonarman Ronald Jones. Jonesy! Jonesy. The Dallas rendezvous with the Red October and Ryan Williams, Dallas Commander Bartman Cuso, and brilliant sonarman Jonesy board the Soviet submarine and meet her famous captain. Clancy is clearly not a huge fan of the Russian way of doing things. Many of his Russian characters, even the loyal ones, mm -hmm. are inwardly critical of Russian politics. Russians are plagued by their government leaders' refusal to treat their fighting men with dignity, dignity or respect, the rampant corruption amongst leadership, the insistence of promoting those with party loyalty over those with knowledge and skills. It is for all these reasons and more that Ramius and his offers, officers, all experienced and talented sailors, would rather defect than stay and serve their country. And once Ramius and his officers are side by side with American sailors on board the Red October, Clancy's characters take this opportunity to gush about how great America is. Mm -hmm. Everyone with talent and drive can get a good job and make a good life for themselves. And In we make movies like E.T. <laughs> Ingenuity is rewarded and ability is more important than nepotism. Gosh, 1984 America sounds super great. Doesn't it, though? I'd like to live there. Oh, I'd like to remember it. Yeah. it Wouldn't it be so nice if that's the way America really was? Yeah. So, yeah, Clancy, slightly biased. I mean, slightly? Slightly. Um, so, of course, Ramius is, and his officers are rescued and brought to America, and Yay. we can only assume everyone lives Let's happily ever after, except for Jake Ryan, who then has, like, five more books where he has to... I don't know. I've never read any other books, but I assume no. well, he's fight like, communism. I mean, well, he fights Irish terrorists. Ooh. Uh, Colombian drug cartel. Ah. Uh, more Russians. It always comes back to Russians. Um, I think he actually manages to fight the Iranians and um, a couple of other Middle East countries as well. Oh, yeah. He basically, whoever our enemy at the time of that book is, that's who Tom Clancy has him fight topical yeah so he gets around it's i mean it sounds like it yeah 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 are there <laughs> i haven't actually read any of them i just read okay i was gonna say i haven't i clearly <laughs> have not this is my first even though i've seen the movie red october 
a kajillion and one times. So mm-hmm. This is my first time reading the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know if does Captain Ramius ever come back? Are they no. bros? Are they bros after know. this? Well, it, what's funny is, um, you know, they don't really play up the relationship in the book as much as they do in the movie. I mean, in the movie, the you like, want them to like kiss at the end. Yeah, like, it's they like, are like bonding. You guys, so they're gonna go off into the sunset with each other. They're gonna go fishing. Yeah, which is the dude equivalent of kissing. It is. It totally is. It's a straight dude equivalent. Um, but I don't know. So, you know, in the book, they mention the the Kremlin, mm-hmm. um, the high placed mole. So he actually writes a whole book about that guy, and they oh, have to really? rescue him. Guy, I want to kind of read that book. Yeah, um, is that a is that a Jake? It's not Jake Ryan. No, it's not, it's not Jake, Jake Ryan. Jack it's Ryan. Jack Ryan. I, is that a Jack Ryan I vehicle don't or is it a no? Interesting. Yeah, because that was another. I that's another subplot that I very much enjoyed. The, I, yeah, yeah. No, I enjoyed the Kremlin part, and um, actually in the blurb for the book, they actually tell you who it is, and it's a character in the Hunt Run for, in the Red October. In the Hunt for October. It's one of the... Yeah, no, it's... They never outright state it. It's made no. very clear that it is him, though. Like, they never they never say his name, but it's yeah. very clear that it is him. Yeah. If you read between the... I don't know. Lines. I don't read between lines. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is... It, it's it's the... Yeah. Well, no, I can't remember his name, and I'm not looking at Philotoph. the page, but... Yes, yeah. that one. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's not high plate. He's not in the government. He's like one of the advisors or something like that well yeah and he's he's got the ear of um yeah he he's the one who's like you know kind of probing for all of the information and gets it and then he passes it along but they have to rescue him because he's like in the in the book about him like he's he's about to be revealed as the mole and so they have to rescue him well maybe we should oh but no one's made a movie i don't think anybody's made a movie out of it. okay so note to hollywood someone make a movie on that and And then then we we can can do do a podcast about it that'd be really great that would be actually fun though appreciate it yeah okay get on that guys mm-hmm. everyone who listens to our podcast please yeah. make that movie all 10 of you you think we have 10 listeners that's so ambitious yeah you I know mean, my dad has not listened past like the first episode well now there's my mom so it's fine okay so if we have eight listeners then <laughs> so <laughs> sam sam would you like to talk about the film of the hunt for red october i would love to thank you um so the movie was released in 1990 uh, the Hunt for Red October starred Sean Connery as Captain Marco Ramius, fully Scottish as expected. When is he not? The answer is he's never. Continue. I was like, the <laughs> Russian house? No. Uh, <laughs> he never has. Uh, Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan. Scott Glenn as Captain Bart Mancuso. James Earl Jones as Admiral Greer. Jeffrey Jones as Skip Tyler. I wrote in my notes Jeffrey Tyler instead of Jeffrey Jones because that's what I do. Tim Curry as Dr. Petrov, and of course our favorite, Sam Neill, as Vasily mm. Borodin. Oh. There are special Neil. appearances by Senator Fred Dalton Thompson and the butler Niles from The Nanny. <laughs> um, oh, his finest moment. Right? And he doesn't have his fake British accent in this movie. He is fully American. All right. I know I was being kind of like mean there, but I actually think he was really funny on The Nanny. Oh, I and loved him on The Nanny. I watched The Nanny. I didn't watch it, but the clips I watched were only of him because I loved his character. He was very funny. He was very funny. Um, and oh, and um, and the Bruce guy from the Burbs is also on it. He's the helicopter pilot who's eating the Milky Way as he's talking about barfing. It's great. And of course, Stellan Skarsgård. 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 Head of the Skarsgård dynasty. Oh my god, there's like four of them now. I don't know why that got Scottish. That accent got weird. Scares, scares. You're trying to be Sean Connery as no, I'm Captain trying to be like, like a Ramius? pirate. I think it's a pirate thing. Oh, because he's scares, 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 scared. I get you. Yeah. Okay. But he's Norwegian. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I'm... I don't want to commit to that. Wait, because... is he Norwegian or Swedish? I don't know. Guess. Swedish. You have a fifty-fifty chance of being right. I think he's Swedish. Okay, you saying Swedish? Yes. Okay, if he turns out to be Finnish, we're both gonna feel so stupid. I mean, I already feel stupid. <gasps> He was born in Sweden. Sam, you were right. Yay! Oh, and he's older than your parents. Oh, oh, now I, oh, I'm yeah. Yeah. But his sons are really, Alex, is really attractive. <laughs> <sighs> Not to get distracted. Oh, you're too late. Too late. <laughs> Go on. Now I'm just thinking about, never mind. Okay. Um, so the thing is, the what I wanted to talk about with the movie isn't necessarily give you guys a, a plot breakdown, but kind of um, how the movie utilizes the me- the film medium um, to tell the story of the book, which is a very highly technical, jar- filled with jargon, 
book. I mean, the book itself is still kind of intense, but is mm-hmm. very long and filled it's, with jargon. It is very and, well written, but yes. there's a lot of detail about how yes. the ships work, how they operate. Yep. And there's a lot of talking about what's going on, and like mm-hmm. you don't really see any full action. I mean, there's the 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 action in the most of the book is like between the fighter pilots. And you, but you don't really get any of the action with the submarines until the end where the Alpha shows up, where the Tupelo's yeah, boat final comes confrontation. up. Like, that final confrontation is the only real action you see in the submarines. Well, the advantage of the medium of book is that you can explore right. backstory, you can explore exactly. inner monologue of multiple characters. Yeah. And, you, you can, and the book takes advantage of that. Yeah, and the, the book, take advan- t- book takes advantage of giving you multiple viewpoints. And you, kind of, you get the whole breadth of the mm-hmm. experience rather than kind of having to focus on just a few people. Um, but I think the the movie does a really good job about kind of taking this intense, technical, intense book. This Naval <laughs> Institute. <laughs> what was the name of the publishing company? Naval again? Institute Press or something Naval like that. <laughs> so, you know, they're used to technical Yeah, manuals. exactly. But making this into a movie that people enjoy watching, but you still get a sense of the process of the like of what it's like to be on a submarine or in a battle but also like intensely filled with action mm-hmm. and you know you get a sense of characters and you feel for them and you know when Vasily Borden is like I would have liked to have seen Montana you're like oh, oh no yeah um okay Poor Vasily. Oh, so sad but I just want to let the spoiler he doesn't die in the book he does. He's not even well, shot in the book. No, there's mul- There's multiple. But Kamarov dies. Yes. And ca- so I, I want like I'll just say it now. But Kamarov in the book is who Borden is in the movie. Right. He's he's like kind the of film. They've yeah. They've taken them together. yeah. They've taken Kamarov who he is in the book and kind of replaced him with Borden. And there's still a Kamarov in the book in the movie, but he's not nearly the protege of Ramius that he is in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is the British have basically been excised from the movie. Yeah, we don't need them. We're no, we <laughs> are America all the way. We don't need anybody. Oh, yeah, you gave us the pictures, but we don't need to involve you in, in any operations whatsoever. Also, I mean, if you're watching the movie, you might think that there are like three submarines total. Right. <laughs> in the it. ocean. Yeah. And like two boats. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. The only thing British is Dr. Crusher, and she's faking her way with a British accent <laughs> in her two minutes of screen time. So this movie is definitely pro-American savior all of the way. All of the way. It's great. Um, so there are clearly fair, fewer characters overall in the movie, and what characters they are are basically meshed and composites of the larger char- of the breadth of characters. So Jack Ryan is like the man on the ground. He's... He's like he's the character who kind of, you know, interacts with all of the different people. He knows what's going on. He's the mesh of everybody. So in the movie, he speaks Russian. He knows how to figure out. Um, he figures out how they're gonna how Mar- Mark Ramius is gonna get the men off the ship. Um, he's the one who has to do the, all the communicating. He comes up with a plan to sink the the Red October. And in the book, that's a number of different characters, and it's not even just like one character doing all of it. It's like there are different fields coming mm-hmm. up and then everybody's working together to come up with all this but in the movie it's just one person because you need that one entryway into the into clear, the plot a clear protagonist yeah you yeah it's interesting that we think of this as a jack ryan book when he's a much smaller part right. in the exactly in the book. and i think the risk i like this could just be me making it up but i feel like the response to jack ryan in this movie is what kind of helped clancy kind of make him a stronger stronger and more clear protagonist in subsequent subsequent books uh you know i didn't check what the publishing schedule was what what the next one was after this so i think it was actually i don't know but i know he wrote i think was it patriot games was technically a prequel because it was the it told the story of when he saved the family from the ira that they mention in Hunt for Red October. Oh, yeah, they do mention something in England. Yeah. London. They never say yeah. exactly what it was. But I think that was the book. So that's... That was Harrison Ford's first role as Jack Ryan. Um, which is... And a funny story is Harrison Ford actually got offered the role of Jack Ryan for this movie and turned it down. And then they offered it to Alec Baldwin instead. 
And so for me, it's hard for me to picture Harrison Ford as this version of Jack Ryan because I feel like the Jack Ryan in the other two movies that Harrison Ford was starred in is a very different Jack Ryan. But that's just my, my opinion. Um, so not to undercut your opinion. No, it's totally fine. Patriot Games was published in 1987. Okay. And then The Cardinal of the Kremlin was 1988. Was that the one you were talking about? Yeah, that was that's the Philatelic guy. The, mm-hmm. Yep. And then Clear and Present Danger is 1989. Okay, so 80s, Patriot's Game, I believe, is technically a prequel. That's the prequel. And that's the one where he's like the, in with the IRA terrorists mm-hmm. in London. And then Clear and Present Danger is a Colombian drug cartel. Whoa, and he has been publishing. He's been in a lot of stories, actually. Yeah. That Jack Ryan, he gets around. He really does. He really, really does. Um, but yeah, so maybe maybe it was the response to the book that made him focus more on Jack Ryan, because clearly the movie came out after Clear and Present Danger, the, the Patriot Games, the book. Yeah, but, I mean, just the number of books he published in the mid to late 90s and the yeah. 2000s, it's a lot more. It's, yeah, exactly. I feel like he, that's when Ryan really took off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we can support your theory, <laughs> even with just the, a theory. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so back to my composite characters. Um, so Dr. Pelt, the National Security Advisor, he's basically the stand-in for the entire U.S. government. Including the president. Including the president, who is a character in The Hunt for October, the book. Mm-hmm. And he's a lot of the lines that, the pre- that Dr. Pelt utters when he's meeting with the Russian ambassador come directly from the president in the in book. In the book version. Yeah. And I was like, I was rereading, and I was like, I recognize all of this dialogue. <laughs> It's, I, and I understand why they did all these composite yes. characters. And I but think it works, but I, it's. But what you miss out on is some of the fun relationships yes. between these different exactly. co-workers and mm-hmm. colleagues who know each other and play off of each other. Yep. And I, I loved the way Pelt and the president played. Like, yes. Good guy, bad guy. Good cop, bad guy with the Russian. It's great. Anyways, yep. continue. Yeah. No, and there's a lot of subplots in the book that, you know, you and I were talking about earlier that we enjoy. And we're, we miss them in the movie, even though. We don't good, necessarily need it's them. It's good that they're not there for the movie because right. it would have bogged the movie down. down. And, and what the movie is is a really effective right. thriller. Exactly. And, like, that's the whole point. It's like, so, you know, that's why I think the movie succeeded is because the screen narrator did such a good job of kind of calling out everything and ma- and just focused on the submarines. Yeah. And, less, and, like, you know, kind of recognize. And on those specific submarines. Right. Exactly. And recognize the value of all the information that the other scenes provided mm-hmm. and found a way to still have them concentrate on those submarines but you still got all of that mm-hmm. um so admiral Podorin is the russian government slash red banner fleet he represents all of all them. them yep uh like we talked about borden is basically the stand-in for ramius's officers though i do feel like in the movie you get a better sense of who they are as as people than you do in the books i feel like the book focuses so much on the inner monologue of ramius mm-hmm. that you don't ever really hear from his officers like you do in not the movie. as much I'll, i got a little <laughs> i had a little bit of trouble when i was first starting to read the book and i actually started making a list of all the characters because <laughs> for i mean i think part of it is a language barrier because mm-hmm. like my brain just sees a russian name and says oh yes. russian guy russian guy russian guy <laughs> but it was i was getting confused with all of the different dudes on different <laughs> boats and i'm like i gotta start making a list of yeah. who is on which boat and which yep. russian is where and yeah. has expressed which opinion because i'm losing it exactly um and then finally the so last many russians i know the last composite character i want to talk about is admiral painter he's basically the pentagon the U- all the u.s armed forces oh which there's a heat i mean the book there's it's an, everybody so there's i Sosis, also had to start making Sicklan, a list of all sick clan fleet <laughs> it's like it's ridiculous yeah yeah, so just having one guy standing one guy. in, much yep. more... Yeah, so, you know... Easier to digest. Admiral Painter provides us with the backstory on Jack Ryan mm-hmm. and his accident. He provides... He, you know, kind of gets Jack to tell him what's going on, and so gets a little bit more background there. And so he's basically just, again, the stand-in. And he's one of the... He's, he is what the audience is able to use as a way to get the information they need in order to know what's going to happen in the next few scenes. Mm-hmm. Um skip tyler did you have him he's also a composite character. he is a composite character he's another and he's the one who's played by jeffrey jones um he's our introduction into the deep sea rescue vehicle mm-hmm. um so a little bit of foreshadowing in his entry scene when he's having the universal docking station put onto the dsrv which actually i thought was really good it, that's a clever way yes. of getting that piece worked in mm-hmm. skip tyler is a great character in the book who mm-hmm. has absolutely nothing to do with the DSRV. No. So so mashing those two things together. Right. And it was totally plausible that he would be kind of the guy to be working on this 
this kind of vessel because he's the submarine expert. He's the submarine expert, yeah. sure. So, I mean, the what I really like, I think this movie did a really great job of kind of finding the right characters to combine into one composite and finding really clever ways of kind of taking subplots that are necessary and you know making them not entire subplots but just kind of flashes that you mm-hmm. then they then thread through the movie yeah creating this the supportive yeah. tissue do you think and this might be unfair do you think that because of the level of detail in the book that a, someone who has neither never been exposed to either would be better off starting with the book and then watching the movie or watching the movie first and then reading the book i almost want to say you should probably watch the movie first and then read the book i agree because that's what i did and i really felt like i had a better appreciation for the technical details in the book because i was able to be like oh okay this is why like i get why they did it this way in the movie but you know in the book it wouldn't have quite carried the same way so i'm really grateful for all of the different kind of scenes and viewpoints and learning about all of the different ways that it works and like all of the different pieces and paths you have to go through in order to actually make a decision about something so yeah no i definitely if if you haven't read the book or watched the movie and you are interested in doing either i would definitely recommend watching the movie first and then reading the book for this one yeah, that is not always the cardinal rule. That is not rule. always the cardinal for rule this one. for this one. <laughs> no, I would I would agree. And I think part of it is for me that once I had learned all of these other like subplots and all these different different supporting th- things that went into um, this world, I rewatching the movie, I missed them a little bit. And mm-hmm. I think the movie I think the movie on its own is stronger without those things. Yes. But once I was aware of, oh, they they don't actually explain why this thing happens. Right. But I know from the book that it happens because of this and this and this. Right. I, I missed the, that richness that was yes. in the book. So exactly. I would totally agree. Start with the movie. Yep. They both stand out, stand alone really well. Yes. Which is not always no. the case. <laughs> no, I think this is another example of a Jurassic Park where it's like both are really good on their own. Mm-hmm. But you can – and like – you can read the book and not have and not watch the movie and still feel like you're not missing anything or watch the movie and not read the book and not feel like you're missing anything but you can look at them in the same and like even when you, compare you can them, enjoy both you can enjoy both and you can compare them and not find either lacking yeah and that's like and there are some books and movies where you can read the book and then watch the movie or you know and like then you compare them and you're like oh this movie is not good or the book is not like i actually haven't come across a case where the book is not good but it's like there's something like there's always something there's something lacking and i don't think that's the case with this this combo i would agree um so one of my favorite things is the opening scenes on the red october are in russian are in russian with subtitles which is easier to do on a screen than it is actually in the book I mean, the way John Tom Clancy did it is okay because, like, he would put what the English equivalent is in parentheses, but sometimes mm-hmm. it kind of tripped up my reading. Um, but then you can do a very – then he did a very smooth transition, which Anna alluded to earlier, where, you know, there's a word that's the same in both English and Russian, and then – so they he ends with that word, and then he just starts talking in again in English. And there's some camera work to yes. support it. There's beautiful – beautiful, I say in quotes? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's close up of <laughs> – Putin's mouth, yeah, which isn't no, really the mouth I'm most yeah. interested in. Yeah, so Putin scene. is played by Peter Firth, and he was in MI5, and he was also, and it reminded me, he was the protagonist in Joseph Andrews when and, he was a much younger man. Yes, and, and he was playing, I, I actually don't know how old he was, but he was no. very young, Yeah, and playing this, like, beautiful teenager slash early 20s yes. man who all the women are like, throwing themselves at and it's yes. this hilarious romp through 17th century england which which is like you do i mean if you're really into naval thrillers like the hunt for red october you're probably also into 17th century oh yes um, farces <laughs> um, but so joseph andrews was very pretty yes and i would say that peter the actor Firth did not not that anymore probably has many other lovely qualities yes. but maybe let's didn't. just say of of the sausage fest that hunt for red october is he is not the one that i'm going for in this movie it's not my top choice no he's not gonna not even in my top 10 there is a wide selection it, exactly that's I mean, why he's falling out of it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh <laughs> um 
I feel like I've been interrupting you a lot. This <laughs> That's okay. Tonight, do you have any, uh, I have do you a want couple a more bullets? Your book report? <laughs> I have a couple more. Before I talk more about <laughs> all of the, all of the sausage. Um, so I do have a couple more, more points about the movie. Um, the director, John McTiernan, he does seem to have taken some notes from Chekhov. If you show a cook in the early scenes, what did I say? You damn well better use that cook in the second act. Oh. <laughs> How many times has he flashed on Coke's Coke's assistant Loganov? I know. In the first half of the movie. There's like a hundred dudes in the submarine. Oh my god. You show us a freaking cook? But, mm hmm. Mm -hmm. A goddamn cook? Yeah. And we see the DSRV. Mm hmm. We see the DSRV. Exactly. Skip Tyler is how we're introduced to the DSRV, which is also foreshadowing to the end of the movie. Um, On the USS Dallas, Seaman Beaumont. (laughs) Sorry. Seaman. Seaman. Is the audience's path in the Navy its jargon and protocols? So instead of paragraphs on how what SAPS is and how it works, we get Courtney B. Vance giving us a lesson with uh, Seaman Bowman asking the questions that help the audience kind of get into the process. Um, so there's no tedious oh, no tedious voiceovers that kind of take you out of it. There's no monologues. There's, it's like you're getting a lesson in how it works, and you can kind of see that, and I liked that. Um, one of the things I thought they did well on them they did well in the movie, which is a change from the book. Um, they actually they heightened the tension on the red october mm. um so they added the scene where the bear fox shot the russian plane the russian helicopter drops a couple torpedoes in once they've oh. once the caterpillar has been broken and they're running on regular power and so you know it kind of they they use this as a way to kind of get the crew aware of the sabotage and mm-hmm. so in the book it's the um the badges contaminated badges contaminated badges and then hours and hours of, of meticulously yes. testing every yes. single piece of equipment right. and taking it apart and rebuilding exactly. it so that's Up not really thrilling. very heavy soldering yeah scenes, you know I, I feel like it could be really <laughs> tense and really really tight but you know they went a different route they went with a torpedo and i think, I think that works better i think for it works better for visual yeah. <laughs> exactly so you know you get a lot of great shots of you know crew members like kind of looking around and sean connery being like if they had wanted to kill it or no sam neil going if they'd be they wanted to said we'd be dead already kind of thing so you know it's a really good use of of the movie kind of to kind of you know replace hours and hours of tedious work with fast action yeah keeps the audience it, engaged i don't think it was this one i think it was das boot that um the author of the original book complained that the movie was not long enough or tedious enough. Are you kidding me? Duff? Yeah. Wow. No, I remember, and because a famous Hunt for Red October is supposedly stole quite a lot from Das Boot. Oh, o- yes. Owes quite a lot oh, to yes. Das Boot. Das Boot is actually a very good movie. I'm sure it is, but apparently the man who wrote the book it's based on really didn't like that it was not 10 hours long and super boring. I mean, he's allowed to his own opinion, but it's wrong. <laughs> but maybe there's a reason he's not directing movies. Yeah, maybe there's a reason why he's writing books and not making movies. I mean, he could have made a movie. I don't know anything about him. But the, the, I mean, I've literally exhausted everything I know about that anecdote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Um, and then also, like I mentioned earlier, we get to spend more time with the officers of October and we get a better sense of them in that one scene. And so, and then they show a little bit more of an antagonistic relationship with Ramius, I think, in order just to show the fact that um not a, like it's okay to have dissenting opinions mm-hmm. but you're still like following the orders of your captain you still believe in what you're doing yeah um and then lastly like for some reason the red october ends up in maine and not in norfolk well because new englanders are scary as we've established <laughs> so With the why accents, wouldn't you right yeah, so, I mean, uh, clearly I really enjoyed the movie, and I think they did a really clearly, good job. I think we both enjoyed the yes. movie and the book. Yes. Um, speaking of scary New Englanders, there were a few things that I kept thinking of every time, as I was reading this book and rewatching this movie, I couldn't help but remember um, the 19, I actually don't remember if it's 1960s or 1970s, uh, the film The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. <laughs> And I feel like maybe maybe some someone else somewhere can do a podcast around movies with similar themes. So <laughs> Russian submarines, someone could do yes something comparing the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming, and I like it. October. If you have not seen the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. You really should. Um, it's got a young Alan Arkin. I love him. He is wonderful. Um, Oh, and just a bunch of other just very funny actors who's um, just character actors. So it's 
an an island in in New England, a fictional island in New England, and the Russian submarine captain wants to take a closer look, and then oh, Carl Reiner, he's in it. Yep, Carl Reiner's in it, and the ship runs aground, and so the rush, some of the Russians have to sneak onto the island and try and get help, and the simple New England country folk think that they're being invaded, <laughs> and there's just a lot of like wonderful New Englanderisms. Yes, um, there's this great scene with it <laughs> where um, one of the Russians ties up like a housewife and her husband comes into the room and doesn't see her like tied up behind him and he's going muriel muriel that's the way she wants it that's the way it's gonna be um and it just it just is it just captures yeah. new england island life yeah so in a certain era another uh another actor in that is jonathan winters oh my goodness classic okay yeah classic. no there's a lot of like really funny yep. actors of a bygone era yeah it's amazing um also, I just finished watching the. I just watched the series finale of The Americans recently. Mm, how so was again, that? Cold War tensions, mm-hmm. fantastic. Very different from the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. I would expect I feel so. Like, I feel like they're different approaches mm-hmm. <laughs> to Slightly. the topic. But yeah, the um, uh, The Americans is uh, brilliantly written, brilliantly directed. The cast is amazing. Um, it is one of we are truly living in a golden age of television it is an excellent show so true but i'm also kind of glad that it's over because it was making me so tense all the time (laughs) like i need to watch something a little bit easier right now so let's let's watch some russian semen yeah totally that's what i'm gonna do to relax woo woo anyway anyways um do you think it's time for some fun and games um so there is one other thing oh, I want yeah, to I want to talk about in the movie. So there was one thing from the movie that I wanted to talk about. Um, it didn't come up in my book report because it's not in the book, but I just have to call out that. So in the climactic scene in the engine room, Remius has the um, the ship's cook is trying to sabotage oh, yes. the ship, and Remius gets winged. So Jack Ryan has to go after him. I know what you're gonna talk about, and and he says. Ryan, some things in here don't react well to bullets. And then Jack Ryan is doing his like his um, like his like Navy Seal crawl. He's he's doing it is it is straight out of Die Hard. Yes, uh, well, crawling through the with same director, director right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does an impression of Captain Ramius muttering under his breath, "Ryan, some things here don't react well to bullets." But he's doing an impression of Connery, so it's a Other Scottish way. accent. So that took me out a little bit because i'm like so funny huh you're doing an impression of the russian captain by doing a scottish accent there jack ryan did that one did that one escape your notice Mm, it's it was just one of those wonderful things that just (laughs) oh really beautiful you know and it's just like in highlander when sean connery's a spaniard with a scottish accent have i shared this story before on the podcast that the first time I saw Highlander. Yes. We've talked about Highlander in like three of them. <laughs> we keep going back to Highlander. The first time I saw Highlander, I'm like, finally, he's got, he's playing a Scotsman. And Sam's no, like, no, no, he's a Spaniard. Spanish. How? Has he ever actually played a Scottish person? Finding Forrester? I haven't seen that one. That's actually a good movie. It's, about, did, it's oh. about chess, right? No, he's like a teacher. Ugh, I'd rather watch Hot Semen. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, let's do some fun and games. So let's start with heart, heart throbs and hairdos. Sam, who are your three top hotties from the delectable I know. Uh, buffet in front of you? I mean, it, it's a toss-up because Alec Baldwin, he's such a Baldwin in this movie. I mean, this is this movie is why they came up with that, came phrase. Up with that phrase. Yeah, yeah. Sam Neill. I like oh. had such a crush on Borden. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm, lie. Like, although rewatching it now, I'm like, man, he's like, I'm gonna have to get two wives. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, Borden, yeah, exactly. Uh, I would be one. I would be your Montana wife, Borden. Yep. And then I was gonna go with Scott Glenn, but I thought that would be the the obvious choice. So I'm gonna go with a tie between Kamarov and Chief Engineer Melikin. Chief Engineer <laughs> Melikin. Okay. So I have to. Yes. But I have to talk about Chief Engineer Melikin for a minute. So. 
the Americans board the Red October, and this wonderful tense scene because the officers are all standing there, and they've all got like their uniforms on and, and like cur- red. like rods down mm-hmm. their backs, but perfectly straight. And Melikin, for some reason, he's like hunched over in like a frightened lemur position. Well, no, he's trying to shut the thing off. Yeah, but he's like frozen in it, so he's like, <laughs> oh, they he's caught not allowed me. to move. They caught me, and he's like half in a climb. So, I, like, he is. He does, that actor does a lot with very few lines. He's, he's, he's like comedic compelling, yes. but he also <laughs> has a bit of a frightened lemur thing going for him. And if you're into that, Sam, I respect that. <laughs> um, so that, that's your your tie for hottie number three was sorry, Melikin and who's the other one? Kamarov, the and uh, the navigator in the on the Red October. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, he didn't do it for me. That's okay. I thought I thought he was kind of whiny. Am I thinking of the right guy? No, it's Who Victor. The... Oh, Victor was whiny. Okay, yeah, he... Kamarov was the guy with the oh, map. Oh, yep. No, Kamarov. He was, he was a little, yeah. was I mean, pretty. he had a little chin. He had a yeah. little too much chin, but it was, it was still fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I've I seen, liked him. I've seen homelier Russians. Yeah. So I went um, really obvious. So I, I wanted to not have Alec Baldwin on there because it was so obvious, but uh, he is just so He's such a Baldwin. Pretty. He's mm-hmm. such a Baldwin. Um, Hottie number two is Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. I would be his Montana wife. Yep. And I went with Captain Minusco of the USS Dallas. Oh, Scott Glenn. And I was going to resist Scott Glenn. But mm. in, in like, the climactic scene yes. on the Red October, he's just he's so stellar in that he scene. He really is. And I love Scott Glenn, oh, like, anyways. Like, he is fantastic in everything he's in. Oh, he's lovely. Um, but he's really, really good in this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, at... Everyone's really yeah. good in this movie. Honorable mention, though, is Courtney B. Vance. I cannot yes. go by without mentioning Courtney B. Vance. Like, he is fantastic as Jonesy. If he wasn't quite so sweaty, I think he would have been yes. in my top three. But there's a lot of he scenes was... where he had, like, thick Coke bottle glasses and, like, a the sheen. Half moons. Were they half moons? They were half moons, yeah. They were distracting. They were old yeah. man glasses. They really were. But which he is yeah. not an old man. But, like, he was so, like, good at his job. And I was just like, that's kind of a turn on. Mm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely an honorable mention for him. Yeah. What are your top three styles or outfits? So I actually only had two. Okay. Um, Jack Ryan's fisherman sweater in the early scene. Oh, yes. Right? His dad's sweater. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally rocking. And then um, Scott Glenn's uh, glasses and that he shares with, like, they're the same style that his uh, officer has as well. Oh. Super 80s. So I, I did. Okay. <laughs> Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I went with, a, I went a different route. That's okay. So my top outfit is in the very opening scene, Ramius has that naval fur hat. Yeah. And that is sexy. Yeah, it is. Um, and then outfit number two is actually all of the Russian uniforms. The Russian like uniforms it. are much more attractive than the American uniforms. They really uniforms. are. They really are. Like, communism sucks, whatever. But they those know uniforms, mm-hmm. Whew, mm-hmm. they fit. And they are fit. They are fit. Um, outfit number three is for, uh, goes to... The blanket of chest hair on Alec Baldwin in the last scene when his shirt is open. I don't know who made that chest marking, but it is delightful. <laughs> and they should have won natural. an award. You know what? We'll never know for sure. Uh, there was more than one toupee on the Red October. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> All right. So um, do we have any uh, quizzes or questions? I have a bunch. Let me... All right. Let me scroll down to my quizzes and questions here. <laughs> so, Sam, mm-hmm. if you were stuck on a submarine with newly defecting Russians in 2018, what movie would you share to gently introduce them to America other than E.T., which is what they did in the book? Can I say Reefer Madness? Yes. <laughs> is that really the best way to, like, introduce people to American culture and I like mean, it's, the good things of being American. Like the perfect satire, though. Yeah, but it's satire. It's true. Like, they may not understand English satire. And... I mean, you can say me for madness, but I'm just gonna call out some weak points here. No, no, it's totally fair. Interesting choice to make it with a with a musical, though. Right? I think it would be. I think a musical, maybe Newsies. Oh yeah, and then mm. you'd be like, look, you Russian steamen may think you're all that, but mm-hmm. check out these check right? out these dancing exactly. queens here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Those are some. Those are some interesting choices. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. I do my best. Um. I think we talked about this a lot already, but is there a subplot in the book that you wish had been in the movie? Um, I think the subplot I wanted to be in the book was the Kremlin. 
yeah the high place mall was go- mm, yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. seeing him would have been fun yeah i think that would have been really good okay this is a this is a really stupid one but you you are get you are chasing the red october name your own submarine Ooh. oh my god so uss mm, it's gotta be some something fun um uss highlander Well, then mine would be the HMS High Spirits. Nice. <laughs> okay. I actually had four questions today. I apologize for having so That's many. That's okay. Um, I just, I was so excited. Um, as we have discussed, Jack Ryan has been played by many actors. Oh, my God. So Alec Baldwin. Um, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Chris, Chris Pine. Pine and John now, Krasinski. So what actor would you like, a living or dead, would you like to have seen play Jack Ryan? Ooh, James Mason. Oh, interesting. I'm James Mason. Just so I could hear him say Jack Ryan. I'm crap Jack Ryan. In his voice. I'm a CIA analyst. The, my James Mason work, obviously. <laughs> no, if you really want a good point. James Mason impression, listen to Eddie Izzard. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> uh, although, um,. John Hamm did a decent James he did. Mason, didn't he? He did. He did. Yep. He probably also is an Eddie Izzard fan. I mean, he could also I be. Ja- that's yeah, he it. could be Jack Ryan as well, and I would watch that. Yeah. Well, John Hamm actually watching Red October, and then last mm-hmm. night I had a dream that combined uh, the Hunt for Red October with Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> nice. And like, I woke up and I was like, oh yeah, because John Hamm and Alec Baldwin does kind of look like young Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Um, but in the dream, Jack Ryan was the reverend who, like, kidnaps teenage girls <laughs> in a bunker. Nice. So it was not a happy mashup. No, but... no. But it works, I guess. But, it, but, like, yeah. but that dream taught me that John Hamm and Alec Baldwin actually Good could dream. be related. So Good dream. John Hamm could be Jack Ryan. I like it. That was an okay dream. I've had better <laughs> dreams about Russian semen. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> do you have any quizzes and questions? I do. I do, actually. Um, <laughs> so what would be your first choice to... First choice place to visit or live if you were defecting. Oh, defecting from America or to America? Either. Okay, so, oh my God, Rupert has opinions about this. He really does. He would not choose this place if he were no. defecting. You know what? Honestly, I could totally believe that Rupert was spying for any number of foreign <laughs> hostile governments. He's such a jerk. He's bad at it. Yes, he is very but, bad at it. Because I don't tell him any sensitive information anymore. Nope. Um, so I don't think I would ever defect to Russia because I'm pretty sure it's too cold there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to defect to America, what place would I want to visit? I would want to do something really obvious and see like the Grand Canyon or go to Yosemite. Nice. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what you want to do. You want to yeah. see something that is so uniquely American, American. about the landscape. Yep. So, yeah, I'd probably go see the Grand Canyon. Very nice. Hmm. Very nice. Um, so, when did you learn that Sean Connery was actually bald and had to wear hair pieces in most of his movies? Um, earlier tonight when you told me <laughs> <laughs> that he had to have a toupee for this movie. Because I don't think I knew that. Yeah, so I had I learned in this, I learned in maybe nah, later in college. We were, I don't know, I was talking with my stepfather and my stepbrother about the sean connery in um indiana jones and the last crusade where he's bald and like for whatever reason i had mixed up when all those movies were made and i was like sean connery's not bald i'm like he probably wore you know bald cap or something they're like no he's bald he's been bald since like the 50s and he's worn hair pieces ever in every single movie i'm like no so Sean Connery, I don't actually know when he was bald, but it was probably happening over a course of time. So Sean Connery it was earlier in his life, yeah, has some excellent toupees. He I does. Have to say, he manages to pull off. Mm-hmm. It, normally, I would say like just embrace the bald. Mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart does it and mm-hmm. does it very well, mm-hmm. as we have previously discussed. There's no reason why you can't be a sexy bald man. Exactly. But Sean Connery, whoever is his wig designer, is really A+. And it makes you wonder about wealthy men 
in positions of high power who clearly cannot embrace that they are balding and have like weird stupid comb over hairstyles yeah when like they could afford a f- if sean connery can yeah. get a toupee why can't these then people? certain american politicians mm-hmm. could clearly get a better something going yeah. on with instead their of hair. whatever that mess whatever that is. horrible i mean i feel like the mess candy. just stands for so much about yeah that kind of person that's not hair it's brains leaking yeah out. exactly right mm-hmm so yeah, that is what I learned. Was he? I never, I never put it together. And I've seen Last Crusade, so I've seen him in movies where he right? is bald, but I, I never put it together. I didn't either, and I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, you're You've, lying to me. I blame you. You failed me as a friend, <laughs> since you clearly have known this for some time, for over a decade, and you didn't tell me. So I'm so sorry. I will, I will now have to go through every beat of piece of useless trivia in my head to make sure you know it. Isn't that what we do normally? Yes. Like, we just share useless <laughs> trivia back and forth. Isn't that why we said, you know, we should just Let's do a do podcast? podcast? Yeah, that's pretty much why we created this podcast. <laughs> like, someone else should hear this random crap coming out of our heads. Uh, oh, I have one more question. Okay. So, um, we've talked about Harrison Ford before, but do you think you would have enjoyed Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan in this particular movie with the way it was written and filmed? I'm sorry. I do enjoy Harrison Ford and all but it, it is really hard for me to picture him in this right i just i can't see anyone but alec baldwin no he's like i think in this version of of jack ryan he's so much more cerebral yeah and in the later versions with harrison ford he is much more action-oriented yeah harrison ford like and that's punches who, people yeah that's who Harris, that's who harrison ford is as an actor mm-hmm. i mean the indiana jones han solo like i mean he's played mm-hmm. some cerebral characters like regarding henry and stuff like that but um He's for the most part, he's a, a he's a he's a punching you know, kind yeah, of exactly. guy. Punch first, ask questions later yeah. kind of actor. And I think Alec Baldwin, he's very believable as. I mean, I'm not going to say nerd because he's not a nerd. No, but someone who is has a more cerebral approach and is more reluctant to get sucked into that right. um, more action. Right. side but then you know carries himself off mm-hmm. well exactly so like when jack's sitting in the helicopter you know write a, a, a goddamn memo next time i can't <laughs> imagine harrison ford saying that no and i will say like i think i don't know how the new series is going to turn out um but i think john krasinski as an actor mm-hmm. can also pull off that yes. approach to the character yes. of someone who's whose default would be more of a cerebral approach but can pull, pull off, off the, the more action yes. inside when it's when it's when called you, for. When it's called for. Yeah. When there's, like, no other choice but, like, this is where you find yourself. Right. Yeah. And I have clearly not seen the Ben Affleck or the Chris Pine film, so I can't speak to I've seen work. the Chris Pine one. I'm trying to remember it now. Yeah, just that. Mm, okay. That's as far as I'm going. I can't remember it at all. Y- yeah. That says, uh, that says plenty. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that was, those are my questions okay. for you. Uh, do you want to do fake awards? Can we? Yes. Yay. Okay, so my Jeff Goldblum award goes to Senator Fred Dalton Thompson <laughs> because he's not a senator yet, but that's all I see. Yeah, even though he is not actually playing a senator. No, this. no. I mean, he doesn't. He does an admirable job as his ad as the admiral. He's an admirable admiral. He is an admirable admirable admiral. Admirable. <laughs> he's a great seaman. <laughs> that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Hey, is he is he still a sitting U.S. senator, or is he retired now? No, no, I think he's retired. If he's even still alive, is he dead? I'm pretty sure he's dead. All right, maybe I shouldn't say unkind things about <laughs> anyone ever. I should just be nice all the time. Oh my um, god, I was on the I was on the IMDb IMDb page for the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming, and I was on the description part, and it just said Russian submarine. I was like, oh, this is the right page, and I was like, nope, it's nope, another... that's not the right page. <laughs> um i just think that um yeah he died in 2015 oh now i feel bad don't feel bad he he is very good at playing a type yes he and that is why he's a senator and, he's and a he senator from, from the, the south and they're like oh that guy seems like a senator let's elect yeah. him i'm pretty sure like when he was on law and order svu he was like known as the gentleman from the south because that is who he that is yeah. who he comes across as yeah um, so then my next award is the most expensive set piece in the room goes to Sean Connery's toupee. Yep. Yep. Yeah. See, if only Alec Baldwin had just, like, lent him some of his chest hair. <laughs> it would have been fine. To- Save some money. <laughs> what? what? I have another question for you. 
what is the better caterpillar in this movie? <laughs> the caterpillar drive or Sean Connery's eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> Meow. Meow. <laughs> and then my final award is the would have liked to have seen Montana award goes to Sam Neill. Oh. Because he was so, I just, I was so sad. Hey, neither of us had Sean Connery in our list of top hotties. I'm not sorry about that. <laughs> I actually really like Sean Connery. I do movie. too. I make fun of his accent. No, and his but he's a and really good captain. He is great yeah. as Captain Ramius, and I think this is one of my favorite Sean Connery yes. performances. Yes, and for I all mean, yeah, for all the the grief I give him, I think he's a fabulous actor. And for the, I think I've enjoyed him in every single role I've seen him in. Um, did we enjoy him in uh, the? Uh, Murder on the Orient Express. We made fun of him a lot of that. We did make fun of him a lot of that because we were comparing him with the rest of the cast. Ah, and that was okay. That's a hard cast to hold a camera. Exactly. To. So I feel like if you if he weren't in that cast, he would have been fine. That's fair. Um, he just also came across as a. Well, there was also bad. that one scene where yeah, we he's... weren't. We thought he just punched a guy. Exactly. Um, because I think he got the Jeff Goldblum award for that. He did get that because he was movie. pure Sean Connery he in that was moment. So Sean that's the thing is he's just so Sean Connery all the time. Yes. And that works very well in this movie. It does. It works well in this movie. It works well in The Rock. And it actually works well in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It, I'll, he does play a little bit against type in A little Indiana bit. Jones but it's still, it's still like there are still moments where. Yeah. Because you know he's Sean Connery. Exactly. It's funnier. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so let's continue with our fake awards. All right. Uh, now that we've finished making fun of Sean Connery. Uh, d- uh, was that, those were yours? Yes, those were my three. Okay, yep. so I have two. Um, sweatiest Russian award goes to Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård almost made my top three hotties, but he yes. just was so sweaty. He was too sweaty. And they, like, lit his submarine differently than they lit the red, interior of the Red October, well, so it was, like, and they did that Super on purpose. ominous. Yeah, so they, they lit all three submarines in a different color, so you'd always know which submarine you were on. Yeah, but Stellan, the Alpha, Stellan Skarsgård's submarine was lit red. Like, no, I think it was like green. Oh, they were green, and then the Red October was, I don't remember which colors they were anymore. Either, but yeah. it, it made him look alien. Um, yeah, and he then was they freaky. literally had someone off screen, just I assume, just spraying his face. Spritz, spritz, spritz. Um, and the anti Jeff Goldblum Award goes to Tim Curry. Oh, yes. So Good one. Tim Curry, I find to be a very sensual performer. Mm-hmm. He is often very sexy, very um, compelling. And the fact that he plays Dr. Petrov as like this little weasel, mm-hmm. and he's totally convincing as like this kind of like ugh mm-hmm. character. And it, yeah. This is the same guy who played Frankenfurter. Who would have made and, my top hottie. Right? Who made, he played, um, he played the devil in Legend, oh, and that, yes. that laugh he has—I mean, he—he he is mm-hmm. he can be so arresting on screen, and the fact that he was just like completely able to lose himself mm-hmm. in this almost nebbishy kind yes. of character. It was—we had—we had several animals on that Russian submarine. We had a weasel, <laughs> we had a scared lemur, we had multiple caterpillars, we had whatever animal died on Alec Baldwin's chest. It was a—it was a—it was, was a Zootopia. A, this was a possum, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Some dead raccoon wandered onto the set and they just stapled it to Jack Ryan's chest and said, we're good to go. That's sex appeal, baby. It's Hollywood. What can you do? (laughs) In conclusion, everyone in this movie is super sexy. They just resemble barnyard animals. They just resemble zoo animals. animals. That's right. That's all. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) uh, And I I am a little sad. Um. Slash happy, the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming is actually based on a story. So if we, we wanted to do, do that, that for a future season, I we think could. we should add it to the list. <laughs> oh, yeah, FYI, guys, if you want to send us like ideas for upcoming episodes, oh, yes, feel free. We are, we are actually in the process <laughs> of compiling our list for season two. We joke about this, but seriously, we're actually yeah. making the list for season two. So if you have opinions, yeah, if there's things know. you want to hear us merciless, mercilessly mock. <laughs> If you want us to ruin your childhoods for you, then please send us your submissions. Um, Speaking of, (laughs) what are we doing next, Sam? So in our next episode, we'll be looking in on the family and their murdered patriarch as we read Crooked Crooked House by Agatha Christie. Uh, You can now find this on Amazon Prime, which is, you know why we are so interested in doing this one, because I'm dying to see this version. I'm so excited. 
If it's terrible, I still I don't care. I, I don't care. It. We're still gonna watch it. We're st- if it's terrible, we'll let you all know, and we will do what we do best. And if it's good, we'll still compare all the actors exactly. to animals, and <laughs> we'll still do what we do best. Make fun of their toupees. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to. Um, if you do want to send us some ideas for future episodes, or if you have comments, questions. If you want to share us share with us your six degrees, how would you get to Alec Baldwin, ladies and gentlemen? Right. Please send them to adaptedwithannaandsam at gmail.com. You can also post them on Facebook or find us at uh, – you would be able to find us at Adapted with Anna and Sam. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Adapted Podcast. Come on, let's just – let's keep going. Let's – let's – um. You know, let's hear from somebody other than me and Anna, right? I mean, clearly we <laughs> like hearing from us. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna, and I wish Earth Girls Are Easy was based on a book. (laughs) I'm Sam, and I wish Wimbledon was based on a book. (laughs) Bye. Bye.